0: Welcome to our True Crime, True Family Podcast. Quarantine equals no life, so we've decided to start a true crime podcast. I'm Emily, and along with my mom, Kate, and our cousin Paige, we will be discussing popular true crime documentaries and cases. Due to sensitive subject material and explicit language, viewer discretion is advised. Hey, we're back this week with Truth and Lies, the Manson family, here with my mom, Kate, and my cousin, Paige. Okay, so this is the first time that we are all together while we podcast. Yes. And Paige and I have been drinking all goddamn day.
1: (laughs) First time we've ever been together.
0: First time we've been wasted for the podcast. Yes, number one. Number
1: two, we're in the same area never before happened
0: it will be happening more this summer more
1: this though. summer but for the first time now
0: so this week we're doing truth and lies the family manson which the whole manson Manson case, family no it's called the family manson oh is she it? just said it
1: wrong yeah. okay sorry
0: so the manson thing is so bizarre to me because why well, I think it's one of the first true crime cases I ever heard about, so that already makes it, like, well, we special. Well, grew,
1: we grew up knowing about Charles Manson. That was just, like, we a known thing. But,
0: the, like, when I was, like, 10, I think was when I read Vincent Bugliosi's book. When you were 10? I was, like, 10 or 11. I got it from wow. the library. Well, because... In my school, we didn't have, like, a library in our school, so we went to the public library. Oh,
1: really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. So they would,
0: like, we would get a field trip every week to the library to pick out our books, and it was, like, just a regular library in the city, so they had everything. So I would get all sorts of inappropriate books.
1: I didn't read Vincent Bibliosi's book until I was maybe... 23,
0: 24. Yeah. I mean, I reread it when I was an adult, but the first time I ever read, I think that was the first true crime book I ever read, period.
1: Such a good book, though.
0: No, it was. And it's such a weird crime because, like, he's sentenced to death and he wasn't even there. Never
1: even there. Never once.
0: But, and I don't think anybody in the world would, like... Discount that like everybody was like no he wasn't there but we really think he belongs if you in jail. Were on
1: that parole board would you ever be like no yeah, I think he should get he's out. He's bad never. shit crazy never.
0: So I don't know he is pretty terrifying. Like could you uh, imagine yeah. having to be in the same room as him?
1: I. Would I would have a full on at panic attack
0: oh, Like I would love to ask him questions But I would like someone else Did to you ask know the questions at some
1: point it became outlawed That he could be interviewed
0: Oh really I didn't yes. know that No I like, didn't know that Like he
1: could not legally be interviewed By anyone in the media Because he was so well, crazy Well he so
0: crazy Well yeah it's about to be a shit show So basically this documentary it leans heavily on I think it was in like 1994 when he did the interview it was probably one of his last interviews the with, one with Diane one with, Sawyer Oh,
1: I was going to say Barbara Walters but I might be mistaken
0: yeah so it starts off and they're like the most famous murder in the city of Los Angeles Sharon Tate was a young actress stunning even by movie star standards three friends were staying with her that night Charles Manson was a rock star wannabe and a and a madman. He was a tryhard. He was the first tryhard. No, yes. He could literally get his followers to kill for him. Like, I can't even get my kids to bed on time.
1: <laughs> no, but he could get people to go murder. Yeah. And him. so
0: everybody wondered how he, how did he turn all American women into monsters? And those women were terrifying. Like when they're holding hands, like singing, walking the, into the courtroom. Yeah, like first of all, why are you going into courtroom that confident?
1: And like singing with those. Um, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it
0: was very weird. Yes. They show Manson saying, and it sounds more like he's threatening. He's like if. If it don't get done, I'll move on it, and that's the last thing in your the world you want me to do. Like I would have shit my pants. I would have been like, um, can I please have an exorcism at the end of this? <laughs> so like, and he wasn't there for the murders, but he still got the death penalty, which is so crazy. Yeah, and I think like all of them are scary, but I are scary. But I think he might be the most scary because he actually got people to kill, like, without even being there.
1: Which is probably, like, a first in the criminal justice system.
0: Yeah. We meet Kenny Kozer, and he was the sound man with ABC News. And in 1994, they went to Corcoran State Prison to interview Manson with Diane Sawyer. And, like, I feel like on paper and in theory, that's fine, but I would be terrified (laughs) Like that sounds good. And I guess if you're like in the news world, that's what you're going to do because it's like the love biggest. It. Yeah, I feel like I would want to like ask the questions and hear what he said, but I also feel like I would have started sobbing having to actually you want speak to, to be him. there
1: though, like in That's person. what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I feel like I would have started sobbing if I had to actually speak to him. But, I mean, I also get angry if somebody calls me instead of texting, so what do I know? (laughs) Diane was, like, with it, though. Like, she was so excited to interview him.
1: She's always with it, though. Diane is. Yeah. Diane Sawyer's always with
0: it. Their plan was to get the room set up, and then Kenny would go out in the hallway to put a microphone on Manson. And I was like, no, there's not enough money in the world. (laughs) So Kenny says that he was putting the microphone on and Manson looked him right in the eye and said, Where are you from, boy? A hundred percent I would have cried. <laughs> Kenny said, I'm from Los Angeles, sir. And I would not admit that. I'd be like, No, I'm from Fargo, North Dakota, yeah, I would or somewhere never random. Tell him where
1: I was from in fear that he would come find me.
0: Manson said, Los Angeles. Yeah, I've been waiting a long time for a bus to come pick me up and take me on back. Like, um Good luck. You'll be waiting a while, buddy. So Kenny says there was tension in the room. And Manson looked like he had not washed his hair in about three years. <laughs> he looked disgusting. Like, I felt like I could smell him through the screen. He's very gross.
1: Like the screen at prison? Well, no, yeah. the
0: screen of the TV. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Manson says there aren't any mirrors where he's at and like yeah that's clear but i also would think he'd be in solitary like i wouldn't imagine that manson got to be around other people yeah, you think he was in gen pop probably not mm-hmm. so diane's like oh really so you never see yourself and he asks her how she's doing and kenny tells us his, his hands were handcuffed together chained together and then chained to his waist so Chris Connolly tells us, here's the thing to remember. This Chris figure Connolly
1: from MTV. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: He said, This figure who walks into the room to talk to Diane Sawyer, he looks like he's been worn out and hung up wet for so long. He said, Don't confuse that guy with the Manson of the late sixties. Like Manson of the late sixties was terrifying. Manson in the eighties looked like you're like crazy uncle that had been drunk for about 20 years.
1: But isn't it, like, just the same as terrifying? Like, I would be just as terrified to interview him in the 60s as I was in the 80s.
0: Well, I would think in the 60s, it's, like, so much closer to what happened. Yeah, but still, like,
1: he's He he is creepy, but I
0: do think for a lot of people, especially people that do interviews, people that have been in jail a long time are not as scary as people that just came in.
1: Well, just because he's been locked up and out of society,
0: though. Well, right. And you think about like people that get institutionalized in prisons where they just like don't even know like what's going on. Like it could go either way. It'd either be super terrifying or you feel like you're interviewing a joke. I still feel like... I mean, I feel like I would be scared. No matter what, right? Right, but I think if you had, like, routinely interviewed scary people, maybe he wouldn't.
1: Yeah, I guess you're
0: desensitized from it. So, um... Ken, um Chris Connolly tells us... Um, footage of him from that era tells a very different story. He is commanding and he is somewhat magnetic. And really, a much more malevolent force, which he was like he's in prison he it's probably not as easy for him to manipulate people. He probably still did, but just he tried such like a different level, yeah, that it's not the same as being like out. he
1: tried to, but
0: you really can't because it seems like a joke. right. well, yeah. <laughs> I wrote sixties Manson looked a, whine- a little whiny and annoying to me, <laughs> but I'm not sure why. So, during the trial, Manson cut a swastika into his forehead. Like, and that's probably why you don't get a mirror, buddy. Like, if you're wondering. Yeah. So, they cut to Manson checking it out in 1994, and he is so disgusting looking. He's foul. Like, he looks like that entire room just smelled. He is acting all creepy, and... I wrote, I hope they gave Diane Sawyer that stuff you put under your nose to not smell death. I think it's like Vicks, but I hope she had it. It's
1: like a really strong You can
0: see the stink radiating off off him. So Chris Connolly questions if Manson is a psychopath or a sociopath. A psychopath is born to do wrong, and a sociopath is transformed by his upbringing and surroundings into this person who does terrible things. Mm. And I've heard, I'm i guessing with Manson, it's probably both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Manson is saying, I just can't seem to adjust to your society, because no matter what I do is wrong. Which, one thing I will give Manson is like... Before he did all this When he was in jail he did ask them To keep him in jail he's like I don't think I'm going to do well in your society He did say
1: that For a long time and they let him go
0: So FBI Profiler Brad Garrett And I wrote not to be confused with the Actor who played Ray Romano's Brother and everybody's (laughs) (laughs) Raymond wants to Know what happened as a kid He apparently hasn't read anything or watched anything on Manson ever before. Because Manson's life did not sound that great. No,
1: no. Manson had a terrible upbringing.
0: And so Charles Manson was born on November 11th, 1934. His mother, Kathleen, was 15 when she gave birth to him. His father had left. And in 1994, Manson says, I'm a street child. I'm a runaway little girl at 15... Oh, he's talking about his mother. He said, I'm a runaway mother, little girl at 15 years old, out of Kentucky, named Kathleen Maddox. She went to Cincinnati, had a guy named Charlie Manson. When Charlie was four and a half, his mother and his uncle were sent to prison for a botched attempt at armed robbery. Charlie would visit her in prison, and he says of it, The only thing my mother taught me was that everything she said was a lie. And I learned never to believe anyone about anything, which is kind of sad.
1: He had a very, very odd and sad upbringing. He did live in West Virginia at some point with his grandparents. I do know that. Yeah. Um, And I do think that at the time the the system failed him.
0: And, yeah, and probably her too. And
1: failed the public, though, too, because he was so deranged as a child when he would do things that they they let him out. But he well, didn't like, even yeah. knew that he should even be in the system.
0: Yeah, and no one took him seriously. No. So, Jeff Gwynn, who we hear a lot of throughout this thing, he's the author of Manson, The Life and Times of Charles Manson, tells us that there was a boy in class that Charlie didn't like. And at recess, a bunch of the girls jumped this boy and beat him up. So the principal stepped in and the girls say, well, Charlie told us to do it. And Manson's defense at six years old was it wasn't me. They were doing what they wanted to do. You can't blame me for what other people do. Which, I mean, if the story is true, then I guess like that just shows like, Early in his life, he just learned, like, as long as I'm not the one that actually does that, I'm fine.
1: Yeah. Well, and that comes to fruition.
0: Yeah. And, and they they cut to Manson in a news conference saying the incidents that occurred had nothing to do with me personally. Like, that was his defense. Like, hey, it worked when I was six. Why wouldn't it work now? Yeah. So Jeff says, by the time he's 13, he's involved in auto theft and armed robbery. Armed robbery and the judge sent charl sent charlie to boystown so boystown was basically like pre-jail it was like an awful like school for boys and they sent troubled youth there to get their act together which like what i hear is like okay we're just gonna abuse you for a while until yeah. you realize your previous situation wasn't as bad as this one so charlie lasted four days he and somebody stole a car and got all the way to Utah before they were captured. Utah. Yeah, and he.
1: From
0: where? Well, I'm not sure. Wherever Boystown is, I think where it was in Boys Ohio. Town? I thought it was in Ohio. Boystown to Utah, that's like a few states away, right? Yeah, and like Jeff is like laughing, like, and he's like, Charlie was a con artist even as a child. So, Charlie was telling Diane Sawyer that he's been in jail throughout his entire life. So, he like, and I did think Manson seemed way more comfortable in jail than out of jail. And, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I'm sure if he had gotten out on technicality and, like, the Tate-LaBianca bur- murders, he would have been right back in jail, like, a year later, if even that.
1: Yeah, it just depended on what he did.
0: So, while Manson was in prison during his younger years, he heard the Beatles. And which, like, I guess because I was born in the 80s, I don't really think of the Beatles as being edgy. Like, the Beatles were good. We all love some of the songs. But, like, I think back then they were, like, edgy the way, like...
1: Edgy? Is edgy the right word,
0: though? I think at that time, edgy was the right word for that time. But I think to us, it'd be more like the gangster rap. Like really i mean i don't know i wasn't alive then right, but i think but,
1: but like to us like fetals are great yes imagine
0: but like it amazing. just seems like something that my parents liked which therefore it makes it like but wh- but how does that make it edgy i mean i just think at the time it was i don't know mm-hmm i don't think they're really edgy no they weren't to us
1: but i know like Beatlemania and everything yeah when they were on the ed sullivan show it like changed everything but like how is that edgy it's not to uh, us to us but, it isn't
0: but maybe so back then the beatles represented everything that Man- manson wanted the most so fame power money mm-hmm. women throwing themselves at them all the money you could imagine and i know that money does not buy happiness but like i feel like a lot of times when people get like first get money it's like real hard to be sad yeah but like
1: i don't even know how like how that translates into in ours in our eyes is edgy for that no i
0: don't think we'll ever look at the beatles as edgy but i think if you grow up during the beatles mania like our parents probably like oh yeah the beatles were like crazy like the I beatles are like R N W A, okay
1: <laughs> what
0: like i just don't i know it doesn't it doesn't translate for me so charlie picked up a little guitar which look i like i can't take you seriously when you're playing guitar Manson learned to play and began writing his own songs in prison, and I imagine they were terrible. Chris Connolly can barely keep a straight face, as he Mm. says. There's certainly evidence that he picked up quite a few skills in prison. Jeff says he learned from the pimps he learned from Dale Carnegie classes, and I had no idea what he was talking about and i wrote oh i could have waited five seconds to get an answer but i paused it <laughs> dale carnegie wrote how to win friends and influence people so manson learned from scientologists as well like that is a fucked up religion Wait, who? dale carnegie yeah he wrote like something that was like how to win friends and influence people with scientology No, no no he also no it was that and then he also studied scientology
1: oh okay
0: Um, Manson used his time in prison to prepare himself to thrive as a criminal after his release. And he said, see, I never realized that people outside are much different than people inside. The people inside, if you lie, you get punched. And I wrote, oh my God, I paused to get his quote down and his nails were long as fuck and dirty. (laughs) They were so gross. He's disgusting. (laughs) Well, he was in prison. You can still cut your nails. (laughs) Um, Well, do they give him, like, a nail? nail? Probably not, but you could bite your nails down. (laughs) Like, they don't have to look gross. So Uh Manson continued, When I got out, all your children would come to me because they never had anybody to tell them the truth. Uh And right before Manson was paroled from Boys Town or whatever he had gotten in trouble for, he told the guards, Don't let me out. I don't think I can handle it, but they let him out anyway. He
1: knew. He knew He he didn't do that shit.
0: But like people are like that a lot. Where it's like, Oh well, you have to get out now. And then they get in trouble.
1: You see that about people where like they don't want to go out they don't know how to live in a normal
0: no he was completely institutionalized no
1: like you've seen that you see that everywhere they don't know how to live sometimes people in the system do not know how to live in a normal
0: no and it's it's sad because they don't get like a lot of like Readjustment, I guess. I don't even know if that's the right. Like,
1: readjust to they don't help
0: them back in the system. It's like, okay, you're out now, come in and check in and see if you're doing drugs. Like, it's not really even like they all have
1: check ins, they all have parole. Well, no, but I'm saying
0: it's like that's the check in. It's not like, how are you doing? How are you surviving? How are you? They don't
1: check on their mental health,
0: right? They check
1: on just. Are you, are you, did you get in trouble? Did you legally get in trouble that we can catch you for? Exactly. Yeah.
0: So 1967 was the summer of love. So Jeff tells us it was during the period of time you've got Vietnam, you've got the race riots. It seemed like anything was possible, both wonderful and terrible. So they play if you're going to San Francisco and show clips of a music festival and some dirty and disgusting looking people. Absolutely fucking beyond wasted. Mm-hmm. So Chris Connolly tells us that the song "If You're Going to San Francisco" was an advertisement for the Summer of Love, and Jeff tells us by the end of that summer, seventy-five thousand people were descending on Hate Ashbury. And now the only thing I know about like Hate Ashbury is I know my dad was out there for a little bit of that time. And Where is he, that? In San Francisco. Your dad was out
1: there. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And then he came back to D.C. Was your
1: dad like a super hippie?
0: I think so. Yeah,
1: I think your dad was.
0: And I wrote, uh, my dad was so hideous looking as a hippie.
1: He was a hippie. He was the best.
0: His gray hair coach looked, suited, him, suited him much better.
1: <laughs> he is such a hippie. He best. was.
0: And he was very like, oh yeah, I was there.
1: Like if we, do you think that if we tried to get high with your dad, he would have done it?
0: 10,000
1: percent
0: that's it yeah 10 000. I've told you about like how my mom like gave them all these pictures at his funeral and like they were playing one where he's like high as fuck with like <laughs> like a joint in his hand and like a weed shirt on and a weed oh, hat on man. and I was like mom why would you put that in and she's like well I looked really good in that picture I didn't know what that was
1: but that was him
0: it was it was him I would be curious to know how much he got her to do. I feel like she was, like, very innocent and, like, ooh. (laughs) But I could not imagine my mom smoking weed. No. 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 She said that she did, though. She said she didn't like it.
1: She said
0: she threw up. Yeah, she didn't Uh, like it. I could see that. My dad was very vain.
1: Was very what? Vain. Oh. Yeah, I could see that.
0: Oh, you could see it? I'm pretty sure everybody knew it. He was, like, so ridiculous. <laughs> he was, I remember him asking me when I was young. I was, like, seven or eight. And he asked me if he looked young or if he looked older than my mom. Your dad asked you that? Yeah. And I'm like, of course you look older than her. Because he had, like, gray hair. So I was like, are you? Well, but he was th- older than her. He was eight years older than, yeah. But then, <laughs> like. Like I always thought because he had like gray hair that he was like the same age as Pap, as Pap, and he would get so mad at me. <laughs> it's a good thing I was good at basketball. That was probably my only redeeming quality. Oh my
1: god, you
0: told me looked as old as Pap. Um, I mean I would tell him he looked old. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, my dad was like very offended because I'm like, because <clears throat> I would be floored and like I had no idea that I was being rude and I'd be like you have a mirror you know
1: I really did not I really did not know until you said it earlier that your dad was that much
0: older than your mom you know I really think I only thought he would like I never would have thought about it except that he was gray so early yeah that like I thought like she robbed the cradle (laughs) or like he robbed the cradle like
1: my parents are only like six months apart
0: so like but then me, you know the other thing that's weird is like i always thought that and then i married someone like almost the same age right difference but as still my dad. like now it doesn't seem anything, no it doesn't like but if you think about like sometimes like if i see something from like 93 and i was in like sixth grade and then i think about it i'm like oh damn were graduating in college Dan was graduating high school. He graduated high school in 93. What? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh my and god. You're isn't fooled. that
1: like when you went into high school?
0: I was in 6th grade. I wasn't even in high school. He's 6 years no, older than me. No, you know
1: what? When you know when that hit me was when I was in college.
0: Mhm.
1: My college it was 9/11. Mhm. And we had a moment of silence in class and my teacher had asked us like what were you doing when you found out what was happening and those those kids i say kids because to me at that point they were they said they were in middle school i was legit in college i was in college yeah no i was i was 18 when nine eleven happened, so yeah, was no, like, I was
0: at Marymount, and I remember. No, you were at WVU. No, I wasn't it? No, 9/11. no, you had gone back. That's right. I was at Marymount, and my parents were in Ireland. When yes, they were because your mom, your mom and dad got stuck there. Nine eleven hit, and. All they knew in Ireland was that Arlington had been attacked. Like, D.C. and the Arlington area. And that's where my school was, was in Arlington. That's right. And you could not get through. No, So my mom was, like, scared because they said, like, if they had just said it was, like, D.C., I don't think she would have been as scared. But she knew. I had talked to her the night before. I was like, oh, yeah, I have class at, like, 7 o'clock the next morning. I have classes until 10. Yes. And then I went to school. And then she couldn't get in touch. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause I remember when we finally got in touch with them, like she started crying, and I was like, "Why are you crying?" Like, no, it was no. I I, I mean, it was a horrible day, like terrible. But like, I didn't. That changed everything in our generation. Changed. Well, that's what. Like, yeah, it's gonna. This is like how COVID is gonna be for like Emily. Emily, yes, yes, that's how it is. Mm -hmm. No. No, 911 like when I was in college
1: there Change. was 911
0: and it changed everything. everything like I lived in Falls Church then with my roommate Chelaine and her mom worked at the Pentagon and so the entire day we were trying to get in touch with her parents because the, it hit the Pentagon. Yeah. And like, like the kids ward too. I don't I think it was the library and that's where like by where the kid like when yeah, there was a daycare but, it was near it.
1: But that like that change like how our, how our generation changed is how covid changed Yeah, your it's generation. where
0: everything was like one different. way one day and then and different then the next totally like, different the next day. You could not go yes. to like I remember being terrified the first time I flew after 9/11. I like, remember I cried.
1: The first plane in the sky after 9-11. And it was like, I looked up. I was at work. I was at Fox's. I looked up and I saw a plane flying. And I was like, that's the first plane I've seen. Like, it changed
0: Oh, people were terrified. Everything.
1: everything. And I remember asking you, you, mm-hmm. yes, maybe five years ago, what they taught you. You and I have talked about this. Yes, we have. What they taught you about nine eleven? Yeah. okay, for us, life-changing. One day it was one thing. The next thing, it was another. And I remember asking you, what did they teach you in school about 9-11? And you said to me, well, you were maybe like 11, 12, maybe 13. Yeah. And you said, well, they told us that it like... It happened, but then, like, everybody got over it and blah, blah, blah. That was not how
0: it was. That's, yeah, that's how they teach it. They teach it. See? It's really, really bad, and, like, it sucked. but then it's, like, whatever. But you don't know. It's the same as, like. So It was not
1: like that for us. It was not. That changed everything in our lives. But
0: it's not. But think about, like, if somebody asked you about when. Like Kennedy was assassinated. Well, like, we
1: don't know because we weren't around.
0: Well, right, but I think that's why they weren't around, so they have no idea, right? And like, I don't think of Kennedy being shot. Like it was an awful moment, but like I don't have anything to compare it to, right? Yeah. But like I hear my mom talk about it, and it's like, because
1: oh, it happened on her birthday.
0: We well, yeah, that her birthday, her birthday. Oh they God. sent
1: my mom told me about when that happened, legit. My mom told me, when Kennedy died, it was your mom's birthday. It was your mom's was. birthday. They sent her home from school. My mom was not in school yet. They sent her home from school because it was, like, such a monumental day. And that's how it was for us.
0: No, like, they my, didn't
1: send the ki- the kids home from school,
0: but... We'll see. In Virginia, they did. Everyone was home from Well, school. I'm sure because the... Because it, it happened near yeah, Because yeah, everything
1: yeah. happened there. But, like... It was like life. Oh, villain of a lost. What? Oh. oh. no, Baylor, but Baylor came back. I saw. Yeah, that. they did. Yeah.
0: But um No, it was life No, like my mom still, if you ask her, she's like, I still remember that was the only time I didn't get a birthday cake mm-hmm. for my birthday. Mm-hmm. She said I came home and my mom was crying Grandma at the was table. crying.
1: Yes, and it she, was a big... She no, didn't understand. And, and now if if any president was assassinated in our generation, it wouldn't be like that.
0: Uh-uh. No. And no, no, but no, no God forbid cheering. it would happen
1: and it would be terrible, yes. Yeah. But it, it wouldn't would n- be like... It would not be like when Kennedy died. Yeah. Kennedy was beloved. I know. We're getting into things that are so far off of subject
0: again <laughs> but you guys are like talking about like the manson family but it is it is i mean it was really like
1: the manson thing was life-changing for them in the 70s 60s and 70s yeah especially it,
0: if you lived in la like i feel like if well, you lived if, in la you if were you like lived oh in really LA, anything you were, else happen
1: yeah you were constantly like afraid yeah yeah Look at this little ginger sitting.
0: I do remember one time I asked Pap (laughs) if he was the same age as my dad. And Pap would not stop laughing. And I was like, why are you laughing? Are you crazy? Like, I was judging him in my head. And he really was just thinking about telling my dad about it later.
1: Well, because to them, it would be funny to us if somebody said that to us at this point. Wouldn't it? Look, I can well, see it yeah, your face. Well, yeah, no,
0: it would be. But, like, back then, I'm sure it hurt my dad's feelings. My dad was so vain.
1: Well, but, yeah, because at this point, if someone asked you if you were the same age as your mom, wouldn't it bother you?
0: I mean, I feel like I'd laugh. I don't know that it would bother no, me. No,
1: it would probably bother you.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe, like, nobody has ever said that, so maybe I just don't know how.
1: No, I feel like it would bother you. It would bother me. It would bother Probably. me.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, if someone was like, are you sisters? i am like, oh, that's my mom. <laughs> but, so, Jeff had said, um, a lot of broken children were drawn to hate Ashbury, and there you have Charles Manson, the ultimate predator. So, my dad, like, he was in hate Ashbury at that time, and he said it was just basically like, like, I... I mean, he, like, dumbed it down for a kid, but basically, like, people were just getting fucked up and fucking all the time. Well,
1: in San Francisco and California, yeah, they were.
0: Yeah. Like, you know what's really disgusting is, like, and I will not think about it, but, (laughs) like, my dad lived a lot of life. Like, I don't even want to know how many bitches he ran through before he got to my mom. At least with like your dad, you know, it's probably no, like not any. No,
1: we're not thinking about it. We're not talking about it. I don't know. Mom mom and dad had sex two times, me and Nolan. And that's
0: it. Yeah, I say that about my parents too. Oh,
1: that's it. No. You said that your mom got pregnant in a lab.
0: Well, yeah, no, I won't even give them <sighs> sex in person. You're correct yeah. on that one. So Chris Connolly says just as manson is being released from prison in california the movement is like a magnet for all these people whose particular characteristics make them highly vulnerable to the thing that manson has this ability to manipulate so jeff tells us that people tend to think that only oddballs ended up following manson and i was like um i'm guessing low self-esteem like not necessarily oddballs
1: well these women who were like easy but couldn't get it yes and, and, and it's
0: I mean it's the same thing like I think oddballs probably do have low self esteem so yeah. Jeff uses Leslie Van Houten as an example so Paul Van Houten, Houten Leslie father, Leslie's father says that she got wrapped up in all of this initially it started out as love but it didn't end up that way which I think is an oversimplification where I think, like, yeah, people were, like, somewhat manipulated. But, like, I don't I don't think you, like, have nothing evil in your heart and you follow Manson and then kill people. And that's just what happens.
1: No, it's got to be, like, a mindset prior to, yeah. right? Like, you can't be, I like, think. a good person and then all of a sudden... Like, you and I, I feel, like, are good people. We're good people. But... I don't feel like if if a Manson type, like, came up to us and was like, Hey, let's do I don't do think this. that it really is,
0: like, a good people versus bad people conversation. I think it's more like people that are just easily, like, swayed. It's like... Yeah, but, like... It's like those people... No, we're not. So we probably don't have that much, like to worry about but there are people that will read one thing in the news and like run with it and think it's gospel because they read it and i think that's the kind of people that he like knew i mean i think people are looking for things and if you know how to like pretend like you're the thing that other people want people that don't have as strong of a faith or a strong foundation will be like oh that's what i'm looking for and yeah, go with but that person
1: like, i still feel like you know like people who can go out and murder people, like we can't understand how in their minds,
0: yeah, I don't, I, I'm gonna go do
1: this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah,
0: that's yeah. not
1: a thing in our heads. Like, but how can other people?
0: Well, I think that that some people they are just so they get so wrapped up in the minutia that of what though of just whatever it is whether it i mean and i think in their minds they think like oh it's right versus wrong and it's just certain personalities that if you're like oh this is wrong like we should stand up for it where some people are like okay i'm gonna like write a letter to like my congressman and then other people are like let's just kill people
1: Um, I don't think it's, like, that extreme, though, because, like...
0: Well, I think when you're the type of people that Manson wanted to, like, attract, they probably are that extreme. Yeah, yeah. Like, because I think... I don't think it's whether or not you're a good person, because I think every single person there would probably feel like they were decent people at some point. But it's like, oh, he got us to think that this was wrong and this was so evil and so horrible that we had to fight against it. And they just, like, manipulate the way you think. Ooh. Yeah. But, so, um, so, in 1994, Diane Sawyer interviewed, Diane also spoke with some of Manson followers um and Jeff says regarding Leslie Van Houten, Van Houten that she was incredibly bright and pretty and very popular.
1: Was she in prison? Yeah. Okay.
0: And so she says she played Baritone Sax. Which like don't trust band people, people. But I'm what? just kidding. She played Baritone Sax in the marching band. And he was like, she played baritone sax in the marching band for gosh sakes. And I was like, well, Jesus Christ, Jeff. Like, I bet we should just lock them all up. (laughs) So, um, we meet Rick Ross. And it's not the Rick Ross that I think. (laughs) That's
1: what I was about to say. Is it Rick Ross the rapper?
0: It's a white Rick Ross (laughs) who looks like an accountant. (laughs) So, he says that all of us have vulnerabilities and Manson could smell it. So Leslie Van Van Houten says, "I seem to want more living out of life than what than what was expected of young girls at that time. Drug, sex, you know, breaking away from the norm. So sheltered. <laughs> we all know that one high school priss that was like super sheltered that like got a taste of freedom it was a super whore." <laughs> Um, Leslie attributes it to her father or some combination of those things. Um, she says or she attributes it to her father leaving. And she's like, my dad left so I joined a cult and now I kill people. Like, that seems a bit extreme, lady. What? Yeah. So Leslie Van, H- Van Houten says, Manson was like, Christ. And I, I wrote... I feel like Jesus was like, oh, uh, "Hold up, bitch! What? <laughs> Who? Not me." Like, and he had the answers. So Leslie says, "First, as twisted as it all got, I really think that I felt like I had met someone that being around him would have a positive change." And it's like, okay, well, yeah, you were also young, and we—I probably all thought about that about our like boyfriends when we were young, and we all know that they're awful now. So, she ended up agreeing to threesomes and murder. I mean, those are two things I don't know that I could be talked into, but maybe. (laughs) I don't know. It just got out of hand. Like, okie dokie, Captain Obvious Jeff is like, Manson attracted people that were not confident. Like, shocker.
1: Right. Right.
0: So Manson met Patricia krenwin when she was staying with a sister who had problems. Manson told her, you should come away with me. You're so ugly and I'm so ugly. We're the only two people that will tell each other we're beautiful. And I was like, ouch, like, God. Hmm. They slept together that night. And I said, now, I am far from a confident person, way too insecure at any point in my life to even consider making the first move. And have never, not one day in my life felt attractive. But I think even I have more self respect than to fuck a man right after he called me ugly.
1: <laughs>
0: Could you even imagine? Like, hey, ugly, let's bone. Like, get out. Like, Patricia says, when we made love, all I remember is crying and crying. Like, that doesn't sound good. Because they
1: were in like a huge fucking orgy. That's
0: disgusting. What a shit show. And how could you even look at someone after they could keep fucking you as you're laying there sobbing?
1: Well, they were, that's what they were all in is a fucking orgy.
0: She says he told her she was beautiful and she couldn't believe that. And I was like, jeez, lady. Like, they show a picture of her and she's plain looking maybe, but she's not ugly. Okay, so. what was
1: there. Yeah, just a
0: yeah, so Pat, Patricia Kranow and go I didn't think she was really ugly, but she bounced. Ba- she
1: was like in the main group, right? She was, and yes. she
0: bounced like check me out with my new boyfriend the next day. <laughs> She's like deuces, only to find out she was part of a harem and she would have to share him.
1: Which that's she, disgusting. Did she date like the head dude? Like, um, what's that? Manton. Guy's his name? No. Tex.
0: Tex. Did she? Tex. Didn't she? I don't know but these like These people do not seem hygienic In any way well they weren't I said but for the love of yeast Infections could you imagine Like fucking Charlie Manson And then like showing up to his Harem of people like that's fucking disgusting Well they
1: all had fucking orgies <laughs> And everything it was like gross
0: Yeah, yeah I mean I you know he was just on. Dicking that thing in you after it's been here there And everywhere that's not for me mm-hmm. Charlie Manson looked like a hobbit.
1: Like, okay, I don't understand how in the 60s, 70s, whatever it was, that those people could all get together and have a huge orgy, which they did, we all know.
0: I think, like, orgies were, like, big then, and then they got, like, frowned upon again, and now it's after, just, like, sleds after do After that? Yeah, and now they just, like... Put this thing on. That's you know. That's just something that us do. <laughs> so, in ninety four, Manson in his stupid interview with Sawyer, he's asking Diane, "Do you really want to know what they liked about me for real? For yeah. real?" And she's like, "You know, she barely gets yes out." I would have been like, "No, I'm good. I don't no, need to know." No,
1: I would have known. I would have wanted to know. Like, wouldn't you?
0: I mean I'd wanna know, but I feel like if someone said that to me, I'd be like, Nope, I'm good.
1: No, I would have wanted to know because like
0: Well, Diane barely got yeah out and Manson's like, I fuck real good.
1: Ew. You think he's got big dick?
0: No. No. I, I wrote I highly doubt that. Who could even get past the smell?
1: Well, that first of all. But I said there like like is all of not
0: enough so smelly. <laughs> there's not enough bleach or lysol in the no, world for me to I shake feel his like hands all
1: of them were so smelly and unclean that it wouldn't have even mattered at that point like I mean yeah I think would have smelled so that's fishy. gross
0: that's so gross no
1: but you know it's true
0: but it's still so gross but you
1: know it's true admit it say it
0: no I think it's probably true like, yes they're disgusting they all lived no, they like all lived at ranch.
1: they all lived at the ranch from the blind guy and and none of them bathed
0: so no. they were
1: all having orgies and they were all on like ecstasy and everything else well
0: and i'm sure even if they didn't feel attracted they had sex because they're like well he's just gonna fuck someone else and not care about me then so i might as well give it up well
1: they were all having fucking orgies and everything like
0: i don't think i could have an orgy
1: no ew
0: ew ew Chris Connolly says he would break people down and then build them back up in his image, and they would become essentially fingers on his hand, subject to his every direction.
1: They were all on fucking drugs. Yeah it's
0: probably uh, easier to manipulate people on drugs
1: well yeah
0: well no i mean like if you're providing the drugs like you can get them to do what you want easier yes, than it's just like fucking with someone that's just period on drugs
1: all of their ambitions were low so they didn't
0: give a fuck yeah ugh. Ugh. leslie van Houten said you know it didn't happen overnight Except for the last story was like, yeah, he called her ugly, fucked her and joined the harem the next day.
1: Wait, she said that it didn't happen? Either. Yeah. She she's was like one of the head.
0: She's people. kind of annoying. She's like, I was an empty shell of a person filled up with Manson rhetoric. And it's like, whatever, lady. Like, it's easy to say that now you killed people. So but eventually,
1: she like, she was there, right?
0: Yeah, she was.
1: She was there when they killed Sharon Tate and everything, right?
0: Yeah. Yes. So eventually the group moved from San Francisco to LA and they settled at Spawn Ranch. And so at Spawn Ranch they filmed like a bunch of westerns and lots of cowboy shows. And Jeff explains that Manson wanted to get his followers isolated and away from outside influence like any good cult leader. (laughs) So Patricia says she was cutting off her past and she thought she couldn't go back. Hey, bud. Hi, hey, Daniel. What you guys you okay? do? What are you doing? Um, nothing. nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. He like, hopped out of that thing. Mm-hmm. Leslie says you could not talk about your past at all. She said they didn't have watches, time meant nothing, they gave up their birthdays. Which, okay. Well, put-
1: that was because Manson was so manipulative
0: he's like i'm not getting you a present no no number
1: one and he didn't give a fuck about anybody or anything Mm -mm. he just wanted to fuck and kill people gross well but it's the truth right it is yep
0: so when Charlie met Squeaky Frome, he told her that people called him the gardener because he tends to all the little flowers and hate Ashbury and that she should come with him. And so she did.
1: What does that mean? Tend to the little flowers?
0: Yeah. basically Their vaginas? Probably. Is that what that means? I think so. Ew. Um, Squeaky thought it was fate because Manson was exactly what she was looking for. And what? I was like, yikes, could you imagine that's, like, what you were looking that's for? That's what
1: she was looking for was somebody to tend to her little garden? Does that mean a vigigi?
0: V- I don't know. But what I wrote was, <coughs> yikes, do you think they called her Squeaky because she looked like a mouse or because she squeaked when Manson fucked she real good? She was like the
1: head, Right. Like, she
0: she was, was like she was deep in it. She, she was, was like the head of the ladies.
1: I think so. She was the head of the pink
0: ladies. Well, she, the pink ladies. The okay. pink ladies.
1: Yeah, she was the um, Rizzo. Yeah, right?
0: they they like shave their heads and they're like holding rifles and singing songs, and it's so weird.
1: Was she in that group who like? Went um to court and sang songs. No,
0: they showed her. No, she in went this, to jail, right? She did go to jail, but like where I got that was like they showed a video of her like playing guitar and being like weird.
1: But like she was like one of the head like ladies, right? Like, I think she was so, there when yeah. Sharon Hay was killed, right?
0: I don't know that she was there. I don't think <laughs> she was there when Sharon was killed. But she said, love is infinitely strong and infinitely mad. It's erratic and crazy. So Jeff says that Squeaky was described as a true believer. And I mean, I would think all of them believed, but like, I guess she was like real invested so... That's why
1: I feel like she was there.
0: Well, yeah, but, I mean, all of them had to be true believers. Like, I feel like someone would probably question committing murder if they were on the fence about it. They're not going to be like, oh, sure, let's go kill these people. So, Chris Connolly is like, uh, maybe she was more of a performer. She's very verbal. And high wrote, and completely deranged. Wait, and, is she
1: still in prison, or is she dead?
0: Well, I have no idea.
1: Let's look at her. What's her name?
0: Squeaky Frome.
1: But like It okay. just
0: writes squeaky and then R or F-O-R-M-M-E. Squeaky. She makes me uncomfortable. They showed a guy squeaky. with a snake around his neck and I was like disgusted. Jeff is squeaky
1: like Squeaky from is still living. Okay. So um, she, is Tex still living?
0: I think he is.
1: He is.
0: So Jeff's Said that drugs were always an important part of Charlie's appeal, and I would imagine if you ply someone with enough drugs and alcohol, it make brainwashing a little bit easier. They show a group of hippies swaying, looking all kinds of dirty. I am not much of a toucher, so that looks like a nightmare for me. Jeff is still talking and he says smoking marijuana and taking wait, 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 wait.
1: Squeaky From was the try was the one who tried to assassinate Ford,
0: yeah, she was in jail for that, wasn't she? But, like, I after think she's mask. still in jail,
1: okay, wait She she escaped from a prison in Alderson, West Virginia, mm-hmm.
0: class in an attempt
1: to meet Manson who had testicular cancer.
0: What year was that?
1: I have in nineteen
0: eighty seven jeez.
1: She was captured two days later and incarcerated in Texas. Um, she first became eligible for parole in 2005 and was entitled by federal law to a mandated hearing after 30 years, but she could leave her, weave that hearing and apply for release at a later date. She waived her right to request a hearing and required a federal law. Blah blah blah. Um, in 2019. Okay, wait. She was released on parole from Federal Medical Center in Carswell on August 14th, 2009, and moved to New York State, where she lived and her boyfriend Robert. Val Valdner in a house decorated with skulls. Yeah. In a 2019 televised interview from said about Manson. Was I in love with Charlie? Yeah, I still am. Yikes. So she's released from prison.
0: Oh. That's where like they're all old now. Oh, it's been an hour. Well, yeah. Thank you for listening to true crime true family follow us on our twitter at tctfp and instagram at tctf podcast don't forget to subscribe to us where you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode please leave a rating and review we appreciate all the feedback join us next week